Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Sermon on the Mount. Today we're looking in part of chapter 6. Chapter 5 was about a call to mercy. Chapter 6 is uh, the call to faith. Um, Frederick Brunner says, The life that looks mainly to its own willpower for its resource is doomed to a lot of frustration. And I think if there's one thing we've taught over the years is that we all fall short, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, and we need to know that we all need God. Um, uh, and that said, in, you know, in a word, preparing us for the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes is about who we're becoming, not always about what we're doing. And Fraser Hannum said, there's 10 commands, which are don'ts, that protect us, and there are 10 do's, which are the Beatitudes, sorry, eight do's, which are the Beatitudes, which bring blessing onto our life when we, when we do the do's. Okay, um, I heard Chris Hodges say this, and this kind of sums up today's message. The purpose of life is to discover your God-given gift or talent. The meaning of life is to give your gift away. So it's, it's probably not 100% true, but it's probably 98% true. There's other things that are the meaning of life, but I just really like that little package of truth, the, the way he said that. Unlocking your gift, but then, but then giving it away. I, I just, I really, really like that. Um, and I read this scripture last week, but it keeps hitting me and challenging me. Where God goes, I've come to, this is in Matthew 9, 13. For I have come to call, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And like, it, it, this scripture is a really important one, because I'm going to talk about spiritual pride in a little while. But... We've just got to watch ourselves on it. How dumb would it be for me to start going, we've served you for 30 years, it's been a healthy church, God, and you know we know what we're doing and you've got to bless. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're much safer if I'm going, God, I'm a sinner. Thank you for all the grace. I fall short. Do you still want to use me? You know, Can you lead me in the things where I could be useful for you? Are there secret assignments you want now that I don't have to carry the weight? Are there... Are there unnoticeable things that you want me to do. And let me tell you, you're far safer with the second option than the first one. So I think for all of us to filter our lives through that scripture, you know, when we're talking to God is a really healthy thing. So four little sections out of the Beatitude. The first two sections are on prayer. The first one, Matthew 6 and verses 5 to 8, is kind of how not to pray. Um, so let's just read, read 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Um, the thing about prayer that I find interesting, not every time, but a lot of the time, my prayer isn't changing God, it's changing me. <laughs> it's lining me up with him. Um, one of the things I found in the COVID lockdown, was it two or three weeks where it was pretty intense, eh, and you're just stuck at home, I found every morning, this wasn't my prayer time, but I usually get up around five and... I would just sit and pray the Our Father just to kind of get me <laughs> ready ready for the day. It was just this refocus. And, and we'll look at the Our, the Our Father in a minute. 
But just some things on that, on that first section. I once did a wedding about 35 years ago, and someone got their uncle to pray a prayer of blessing at the wedding. He prayed for 27 minutes. <laughs> I'm holding the microphone off. You know what it's like at funerals, eh? I'm holding the mic just in case he prays for too long. But I'm too young to figure out what to say. My arms like, what this? Everyone's fallen asleep, and he just keeps going on and on. It's like, gee. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that was probably <laughs> praying for too long. Um, uh, you know, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That comes from the word halal, which means clamorously foolish. So I, I like the definition of that word, that when we're kind of coming to the worship part of the prayer, it can be a bit dumb. Like, it can be beautifully and deep spiritually, but you've got to not be too, worship can only happen this way. It can, it can be anything. Um, and my, my, me and my dog were great worshippers. I put up a picture. She's passed away, and I love this dog so dearly. But you would have seen her on video once when I did a devotional in COVID about prayer dog. And I'd go, prayer dog. And she'd sprint down to my office, jump up on the bed. Now, when I had worship time in prayer, she would do this. And I think this is clamorously foolish. If I put a CD on, she'd love it. And she'd lie on her back. She wasn't worshipping. She's just a dog. But she'd lie on her back with all her legs up in the air. I don't know why. Maybe it was worship. All the creation groans. Eh? But, um, but if I sang on the guitar... <laughs> because I only know four chords and I've got a terrible voice, but I just play the same chords and I sing a new song to God and, and I like doing that because stuff comes out of me. But I would do that and she would lie on her tummy <laughs> with a pause over her ears like this. <laughs> I'm thinking, yep, Scouty and I are worshipping again. <laughs> She's like, poor God, poor God. <laughs> but God likes what's in our hearts, doesn't he? Um, but, so, you know, this isn't, the scripture against public prayer, but it's a little bit, there's different ways of praying. I'm really good at the secret place type thing. I'm not good at the public prayer. I'm not even patient enough to be involved in public prayer. But some people like the Robbos are really good at it. They're good at leading people in prayer and getting that where people agree it's powerful. They do that. Other people are good at intercession. Like the Durheims are very good at intercession. For me anyway, I've had real breakthroughs with those guys um, interceding whether I'm with them or, or, or away from them and, and I can and I can ring them. <laughs> Dave Durheim's involved in, you know, boards all over the world with what he does. And um, I'm just about to preach once in text anything you want any prayer? I go, yeah, I've got a headache. Can I preach in an hour? I go, do you want any prayer? He goes, Yeah, I'm just about to meet the Swiss Prime Minister to ask for thirty million dollars to help with child vaccines in such and such, you know, and I'm like, Yeah, I'll pray. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> The people that we get to encounter through prayer and kingdom, it's astonishing sometimes, isn't it? And what, what about that where someone lays down their more important thing to pray for your little thing? Is, isn't that touching and, and moving? I thought, gee, God must trust people like that. Um, in the church I was raised in, and, and I won't use name, but there was one style of praying where there was a prayer <laughs> and you had to pray 10 repetitions of it, but then 10 lots of that. And when I was a kid, it just used to do my head in. I just couldn't do that, pray the same thing over and over. And when we taught in a school, a religious school, both of us were there, and they'd have prayer, and you'd be handed what prayer you could pray. But we'd just become Christians, so we couldn't cope with that. So we would just pray spontaneously. 
But after the staff prayer meeting, it'd be like, we were always in strife. It was like, how dare you? Who do you think you are just to make up your own prayer? It's like, a Christian? <laughs> like, you know, aren't we Christians? Isn't it okay to, to talk to God? Um, anyway, the thing about prayer is it really helps our focus. Like me praying the Our Father, it just sets a good focus for the day. And I, I found this story that I, that I really liked as a famous old gridiron or NFL coach in America, Jimmy Johnson. And um, it's happening. they won the 1993 Super Bowl by a record score. And they said, did you do anything special before the game? And he said, I laid a two-by-four, you know, a piece of wood, two-by-four across the floor, and everyone had to walk across it and not fall. Because, they go, why did you do that? Because our focus would be on walking the length of that board. But if I put that same board ten storeys high between two buildings, only a few would make it because their focus would be on not falling. And I've, you know surfing on a board, eh? When you're in a, I remember this from when I was young. When you're in a big wave, especially on a reef break where if you fall off, you're going to hit the rocks, you couldn't go, don't fall off, don't fall off. Because as soon as you had that thought, hey, boo, and, the, and your wetsuit would be ripped and your back would be ripped, you had to kind of, you know it from sailing in the critical situations, you can't be, the fear can't enter, eh? it has to be this supreme confidence so that your focus stays right. And I just like that story because the other team they played that day were completely overwhelmed when they ran out onto the field by the number of people there, by the millions of viewers worldwide, and they were worried about how bad they'd look if they blew it. Whereas Jimmy's team had had that exercise and they thought, we are just going through our standard routines. We're not even looking at anything else. And, and it really helped them focus that day. So I, I like that. So the Our Father, just, just a couple of things. For me, I find this. You, different parts can be more important to different people. But for me, the hinge is thy kingdom come. So I start off. God, you know, there's the connection, you know, our Father, hello. But then as soon as it goes to thy kingdom come, I thought, but what about my agenda? I just, I just wrote my list for the day. <laughs> I, my list is going to get out, out of whack. But then I stop, and you bring your flesh into line. You let your spirit take over. Okay, okay God, you're first. Thy kingdom come. And I find for me that's a really important lineup in the morning that, that makes a difference. Um, so just the seven little sections as quickly as I can, and this is fast. The first bit, Father, where we call him Father, it connects us. It, it, it goes into the thing, the theology of adoption, a father and a child. That, that's the right standing. Then there's the worship, the hallowed. We've already talked about that. Then there's God's agenda, thy kingdom come. Then there, guess what? There's a section where you can ask for stuff. Give us. It's like, it's not the whole prayer. So don't make it 90% of your prayer. Can I have this? Can I have that? He's not Santa Claus, but he's way better. But just, you know, have, have a, could you give me this? This is important to me today. But don't let it dominate everything. But there is a give us section. How good is that? Um, uh, and then there's right, right hearts, the forgiveness test. I suppose catches us out every time because there's always something that struggles because we're in a world with people. So there's always a... Um, so handling hurts. Uh, someone said forgiveness is not just about ourselves. It's a social responsibility because it helps there be a smoothness in society and in community. I, I love that. Um, then there's protection, deliver us from. So it's really wise to, to pray for protection. Um, and, and 
I'll, I'll read it out, but because I wanted to tell you this first so you can watch for it. It doesn't say the power and the glory in this Matthew version, but when you say the power and the glory, that kind of expresses faith in God's ability, and, and I think that's really important to, to remind yourself of. Um, we even had it, gosh, you know how it says, he knows your need before you ask? Your flesh will go, well, what am I praying for? But that's, that, um, in me, if I think that, it's usually selfishness because it's like, well, it's all about me and if you already know it, the prayer stops there. And he's like, no, no, it's actually not about you. It's about something bigger. I'm letting you belong to a big thing. There are people less fortunate you need to pray for. You've got family that you, that you love more than anyone else, so you need to pray for them. So it, it takes you out of that little self-focused zone. But... Um, just yesterday, we, we, we got a couple of days coming up somewhere in the, in the snowy mountains, and um, it's just funny what goes through your head. So we commit the journey to God, and we ask for his favour, even though he knows that we're going, right? The next day, we get a call from the accommodation, and they go, and they go, would you like a free upgrade with breakfast included? Yes, please. But I felt like if we hadn't prayed the prayer, he wouldn't have done it, even though he already knew we were going. There's something he likes about you actually saying it to him yourself out, out of your heart. And that's why Jesus said, remember he said, go away from me, I, I never knew you. To some people said, but Lord, we cast out demons and everything. And he go, it's like you didn't share your emotional self with me. So it was like, wow. Mind you, I looked up my phone this morning and for the two days we're there, the temperature drops. It's 18 max the day, <laughs> the day before we're there. It's three degrees for the two days we're there and snowing. Totally going to cut across my fishing plans. But then what do you do? You have to go, okay, there was the favour. Here's the challenge. It's like almost every journey you do in life, isn't it? There's the favour. Here's the challenge. So then you've got to go, what? Not my will, but yours. Okay. You'll have something for us beautiful in that so I'll just have to have a different experience but the con control freak in me is going but I was looking forward to trout fishing <laughs> but you can't you got to bring your flesh into line so we receive the blessing don't we I didn't knock that back well then you got to just let something come out of it and stay in faith because there's in life there's always a faith requirement in fact I'll, I'll say it now because it's quickened to me I'm pre I was preparing this thing on spiritual pride because we're all a bit vulnerable to it and it just got bigger and bigger so obviously there's a message in there but he the Holy Spirit said a really interesting thing to me I finished writing it all out I said is there anything you want to quicken and he said this every relationship and every friendship even your marriage has a tiny component of enemy in it because what happens when you have a fight in your marriage or a bad fight in your marriage all of a sudden it feels like the person who is your friend feels like an enemy. What, what do we do with that? Oh, I wonder what the Bible says about that. Love your enemies. Maybe that's the place we can practice it when, it when the friendship gets tough or difficult. So anyway, I, I haven't fully digested that when he said that, but it was one of those little revelations like, whoa, I need to sit down and process that. That's, that's a really interesting insight. Okay. Um, Matty Rogers, the football player, he's, he's got a book out about his childhood and his dad and 
had some difficulties there, played rugby union and rugby league for Australia. But at, right at the end of his, of his, they did a little thing on him in the paper. Uh, it says, your son Max has autism. And after retiring from football a decade or so ago, you threw yourself into your charity, which is for auti autistic kids. <clears throat> did it have an effect on your transition? He said, it made it way easier. It gave me a purpose. After I retired, I didn't watch a game of footy for 18 months and I didn't miss it at all. <coughs> Previously for me, I'll get a drink of water, someone please. Previously for me, it was always, thank you, it was always about what could I do, what could I get, what could I accumulate. That was sort of my mantra. But he said, having Max and the charity has totally changed my mindset to how I can help. This was the biggest shift in my life. Um, and it gave me proper meaning for the first time. Wow. Isn't, it, isn't that awesome? Wow. And so I imagine that, that when his child was born, that's a tough thing to adjust to. Your, your child has autism. But it's like what I was saying before about when your plan gets a bit shattered, you have to step into faith and trust God that he can turn that into good. And that has turned into one of the most important blessings in his own life. Isn't that interesting? Do we read the Our Father? I think I'm going to run out of time, so I'm actually not going to read it because you all know it quite well. Uh, okay, let's go to fasting. <laughs> Mention this in your little story because I hate fasting, but you've got to do it sometimes. Not you, but me. Um, the, the, the short fast, you know, you can miss a meal and, or you can fast off something else. It doesn't have to be food. But anyway... The most fruitful ones for me were like a three-day fast. So, you know, water only, three days. I'd work the first day because as soon as I made the decision to fast, my flesh would go, and all those ads come on the telly advertising food that I've never noticed before in life. I'm straight into struggle, so I would work the first day. Second day, I'm starting to get in the zone, so I'd, I'd study. I'd have a study day and be available to God. But the third day... I would break through and it would just be me and God. I'd walk, read my Bible, journal stuff and just let God speak. And stuff would always, always come out of that. Um, I think in our spiritual pride battles in life or in our pride battle, so it's an important battle because the two biggest roots of sin are pride and unbelief. But trying to figure out which is the main root is like figuring out the chicken and the egg because... Sometimes unbelief leads to pride and sometimes pride leads to unbelief. So dealing with pride or giving ourselves just a bit of a sharper spiritual focus, fasting is, can be quite important for that. Um, uh, we all have vulnerability to it. Um, Leo Tolstoy said the most beautiful people I've ever met were Christians and so were the most horrible. <laughs> but I was just thinking of you know Judas, Lucifer and Cain in the Bible and how... They all wanted someone removed. Cain wanted his brother removed out of jealousy because his brother made a better sacrifice. Lucifer, instead of wanting God's DNA, ended up wanting his position. After he'd had some success, it went to his head and he decided he wanted the top job. Where really what he was to desire was to have God's DNA in him and serve. But he, he went for the top thing and it kind of screwed up how he heard, how he saw and what he went for in life. Um, who have we done, Lucifer Cain? Who, oh, and Saul. Remember David had this great attitude to Saul and wanted to serve him, but Saul kept trying to kill him. He, the insecurity saw the threat and wanted him out of the way. So just be careful 
about wanting people out of, out of your way. I think we have to really watch out for that. Um, I think that'll do... Yeah, because anyway, I, I just think, if I thought of some of my own big challenges in ministry, what you have to be careful of. So I remember being under Kevin um, one time, uh, you know, I was like the second preacher, but all these new guys came to the church that had way better preaching gifts. So I didn't get used in preaching for about three years, and they were preaching, and they were really good. But nevertheless, I, I couldn't give that thing an inch that thought, oh, I wish they'd leave so I could have my go. It's like, no, no, no. You have to want what's best for the kingdom, even if it's not you. It's, it's like the footy team where a better player comes in. I often think of English soccer. They'll pay, you know, $100 million for a player and he comes in. But guess what? Someone has to make way for him, may lose their job or may lose their, their exalted status because now someone more famous comes in. But it'll destroy the culture if they don't get their attitude right and before the person who's getting used where they were before. It's, it's a really tough challenge, and I don't think in the natural in life any of us are good at that stuff, but that's where you've got to kind of run to God and, and let him lead you through. Um, and I have seen some players, because I was a chaplain for 12 years with soccer in Australia, and I've seen some players uh, change their careers at that point when the more famous person comes in, and instead of being... What was the best player, sorry, about fourth-ranked player in a good club? They go to a struggling club and they become the captain. And the, the other players look up to them. It was a club that really needs them. They're not going to win anything, but it was the best thing for their self-esteem where they, they humbled themselves and stepped down. Lowly is the, the wrong word, but you know what I mean, to a, what looked like less, but their value increased beyond what it had been when it was in the other place. Isn't, isn't that interesting? And that's the sort of thing um, God can do if we'll, if we'll trust him. Um, where are we? Did I even read any of that out? Fasting? Did it come up on the screen? Well, I don't need to read it out. All right. All right. Last one. Treasures in heaven. I better read that. 19 to 24. I've even lost my place. Here we go. 19 to 24. Do not stuff yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but stuff yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, <laughs> treasure. We, you know, living on the earth, we, we so get it wrong. I, I was thinking before about... When we drive, do you drive like this? I'm getting better now that I'm older, but my driving used to be like anyone who drives slower was an idiot and anyone who drove faster than me was a maniac. <laughs> and we can be like that with people. As soon as there's disagreement, you've got to be, just give them some space. You, you, you don't actually have to judge. Just, just let them be different. Someone pulled out in front of the other day, nearly caused an accident, and, and I just finished praying. I felt so relaxed. I didn't even toot. I thought, wow, there's a breakthrough. I didn't wind down my window, I didn't get fired up, I just drove on to the next appointment, didn't let them steal my joy. Um, for me, and yours will be different because there's things that activate you, obedience to Christ is probably my, my number one thing, John, so it's interesting that you mentioned that this morning, but I thought, wow, treasures of family, church, missions work, 
Friends, some people, their greatest treasure, like Mother Teresa, their greatest treasure was the lost. Wow. There's the odd person on the earth. Their greatest treasure is loving their enemies. Whoa. Wow. But it doesn't matter. I think it's just good to figure out maybe, maybe what, what your treasure is. Charles Spurgeon says the moth represents nature's corrosion of things. The rust represents time's corrosion of things, how things change over time. And the thief um, is like what humanity, how humanity can corrode us, like bad company corrupts good, good morals. It's funny, I've even got this jacket at home that when I was a young pastor, we just had no money. And I saved for two years to get this jacket. It was cashmere and it had leather sleeves and it looks horrible now and it doesn't even fit. But guess what? It's still sitting in the cupboard because I can't let it go. I'm thinking every time I open the cupboard and I see it there, the moths fly out. It's like so true of that. And I think, why have I still got that? But even though I'm preaching this message, I'm still not ready to part with it. One day I will. Anyway, it's funny, eh? Like I just, by observing myself, I caught myself out with that. I'll finish with this. Brian Simmons, you know, Passion Translations. When your life, this is... Um, God speaking, when your life is in my hands, you don't need to worry about what direction to go. Don't search for my will as though you've lost it. Simply trust. My choices for your life will prevail. Wow. And last, last sentence, John MacArthur, who's done a translation of the Bible, is a really good Bible scholar. Um, gee, I like this. He said, some people assume that worry is the result of too much thinking. Actually, it's the result of too little thinking in a godly direction. Wow, because I'm a bit of a worrier. So that really, really helped me. Really helped me. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.